And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I usually have a question for you, and today is no different. Um, when are you going to put the, the little chin patch back? When, when's that coming back? I don't know, DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. The flavor saver, the soul patch. Um, it just, uh, it wasn't working for me anymore. I don't know why. Maybe I was inspired by Ted Lasso to just Maybe that's it. take the rest of it off. Maybe that's it. I'm, but like, I never could get the chin strap down the way I really wanted. I'd really want to go to you, but I can't get the connection with the mustache. Mm-hmm. So just none of it ever just. And then and the other thing with the, the soul patch was it wasn't really centered. Like the way that it would grow was off yep. a bit. And it just always sort of irked me to look at it. That's so, one of the reasons why I always shave that part right under the bottom lip is because it grows in thicker slightly to the right. Mm-hmm. All of my hair down here slightly like just leans that way, which I guess is yeah, a thing. Think, but And I've got a spot over here on like the right on my right hand side on the mustache that just doesn't it's like a, just a little blip that just stops it from being solid. And there's even some hairs there, but I feel like they're like more blonde so you don't really see them. Yep. And it's like I'm sitting looking in the mirror and I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe I should get that Komen, uh, uh, whatever that is, the color for men. Sure, just uh, for men. Yeah, just for men. Touch of gray. Not that I'm gray, but it would help darken mm. it up, I guess. Although I am starting to. Gray I was going to say, do you have any? In the hair. Yeah, oh yeah, there's definitely some gray hair. I've got them. I've got them in the, in the beard. <clears throat> and my wife told me relatively recently that I'm just starting to get what I call the Mr. Sheffield from the nanny, like the little gets around the temples. And I'm like, I've wanted that. I've always wanted the, like the gray around the temples. (laughs) Of course you have. And then a tweed jacket. Yeah. I've always just wanted to be the college professor, I suppose. Uh, Outside of, you know, your, your glorious mustache. How are you, my friend? It's always good to see you. Uh, I'm good, DC. I'm good. Good to see you also, as usual. Um, it's been busy. Mm-hmm. It's been a busy, you know, busy few weeks here. From beginning of the semester, always a crazy, hectic time. Doing a a full class on top of my normal full time job yeah. has been. Um, I'm not gonna say a mistake. It's it's been fun. <laughs> I enjoy the act of teaching. I enjoy doing the lectures. When I'm on campus in the room doing them, but it's a lot of prep work. It's a lot of prep work. I'm basically. This is one of my few times during the week, like sitting down to record the show where I'm not just working on the class because I'm at my regular job. I come home, I start looking at my notes, I start looking at the textbook, I start making more slides. So I'm preparing and I don't I, I still am not really ahead like I'm still prepping for Friday yeah. at this point and it's Wednesday. You know what I mean? So it's not like I, I have the luxury. And, and at this point too, I am starting to get a little bit ahead. Like I've probably got, I had like 10 slides left over after my lecture today. So that's most of my next lecture, which is good, but I also have to make an exam because their first exam is next Friday. And then I want to make them a practice exam. So I'm not going to make them a study guide. That's a step too far. 
but I'll make them a practice exam so they can see the types of questions that I would ask. They can see, you know, the types of questions, how granular I get, that sort of thing. Um, but that, that's, 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 just, that's more work. And then at the beginning of the semester, you know, I knew I was going to be busy. So I set myself up with, I basically got online for that, the, the Blackboard site, um, the learning management system they use Blackboard. And I set up, you know, five weeks of the course. Like I've got five weeks of labs on there, five weeks of pre-labs, the first five weeks worth of assignments, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I have added nothing to that site <laughs> since the semester started. And we're now almost done with week three. So I got to get moving on that again. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure you have considered this, but have you considered taking job, taking a day or two off of job one to try to get I ahead? I did not work on Tuesday of this week <laughs> because of precisely that reason. I've been taking Fridays off the last two weeks, and I will take this Friday off as well. Um, and I'm just going to have to... I'm going to have to buckle down a little bit more. The last couple of weekends, I did take the Friday off and I worked a little bit, but I more, I did more take it sort of as a recharge day. You need those two. And I'm going to have to not do that this weekend, though. Um, I'm going to have to just pound it out mm-hmm. and uh, get ahead. But we're all, it's all right. Uh, you know. But then, you know, last weekend, not to just go on about myself, I helped a good friend of the show, GQ, move into his new domicile domicile domicilati mm-hmm. i don't know how you want to say it his lake house his mansion if you will it's pretty nice his cottage by the sea yep um i think he's gonna have a great time washing windows out there <laughs> but let me tell you something do you see that man has a lot of stuff mm-hmm. a lot of stuff two kids i could plus all his toys not the kids toys his toys gq's toys you should have seen how many toys he had. I Look, we joke on the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we joke on the show about the amount of toys Mm-mm. that GQ purchases. You could right? probably fill we an joke entire about, U-Haul just with his toys. Like, yeah. I, I, saw it, I saw it in front of me at one point. Like, I, I actually, I took a photo in which there are still a, some boxes missing. <laughs> it, it, it's an entire room full of toys. Tupperware, plexi, whatever boxes full of yeah. toys. Rubbermaids, rubbermaids. That's the word I was going to GQ, I know you're listening. Holy shit. <laughs> you are going to put your kids through college with that stuff. My God. Yeah. I mean, it's an impressive collection. At one point, I played a game. I was taking a breather. <laughs> yeah. And I was just sort of standing there with these boxes that I could see you know, through. And I was like, how many Aliens toys from the, the movie series Aliens? Can I see from right where I am standing? And it was it was more it was more than a single hand's worth. <laughs> um, so and, and I wasn't counting like side characters. I was just I was just counting actual figures of the xenomorph alien. Oh yeah. All right. And um, whoo! I'm not saying I was <clears throat> there for him to buy all of those toys. I certainly wasn't. But I have been to toy. I, I can say this. I think with confidence. If you take all of the times that I have been to Toys R Us in my life, most of them are because GQ wanted to look at toys. Those are most of the times. We're out. <clears throat> we're in ta- We're in the, you know, the more metropolitan area. We're, we're getting lunch. We went to a movie. We're all of that. He was driving or I was driving. And it was, hey, 
why don't we why don't we go to Toys R Us and just see what the new see what the new dolls are like. Let's see what new dolls are out. I don't think he uses that term, DC. No, they were, I think no, you no, know no, that. He said dolls. He totally said dolls. Oh, okay. And so, you know, the two of us and poor Brian sitting in the back, who always was in the back, <clears throat> would would tool off to Toys R Us, and I would follow him around the toy section uh, while he looked at all of the cute little dolls and action figures and wound up, you know. It's an impressive collection, and I'm not going to lie. Some of them are very, very cool. To some extent, I'm jealous. Like. I, I just I can't my brain doesn't work that way anymore. Like I do have a couple of boxes of, of some of these collectible figurines downstairs uh, uh, that I, I kind of got roped into not roped into, but I thought were still fun and a good idea in my mid 20s. Mm-hmm. But like I, I I just I can't anymore. I've never been even like when I had wrestling figures as a kid, I wasn't going out and saving my money to go buy, you know, it's just never been something that I've done collecting. Yeah. The closest I came honestly was probably pro wrestling illustrated magazines was probably the closest thing I came to actually collecting. And I didn't, you know, I have occasionally gone on to like eBay to see if they have, you know, issues. And then I see how much they cost or just what would be involved. And I'm like, yeah, no, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. But I am glad he moved. I, you know, I, I don't want people to think I'm a bad friend. I am, but I don't want you to think that. Um, <laughs> you know, I was not asked to help him move. I found out he was moving from Doc Manson. I, oh, I think, I think his, his, the assumption is just that you wouldn't have helped. <laughs> so honestly, so why honestly ask? Had, well, and I also think I, I, I don't remember the last time I asked him to help because we've, oh, yeah. we've been here for. 15 years or so at this point so you know there's just but had he asked I, I will say i will say gq uh was we were doing the math when he came over for all out and i think he's helped me move at least four times yeah. uh maybe i think four yeah. is the count that i decided on anyways i moved a bunch um and gq's always been there to help me so i had to go and help him this is only my second time helping him move yeah uh, but the thing I would like to put forth is uh, I think when I go and help him move, I think I easily do the work of two people. Oh, yeah. Maybe three. Maybe so three of you, the other people really. that are there. I'm not going to say he owes me. But what I am going to say is after two moves, I, I think we're pretty close to even. Yeah. I think it's pretty close at this I point. I would say so. Yeah, I think so. so. So GQ, just just be aware. Next time you move, you're going to have to hire professionals because holy crap, do you have a lot of shit? <laughs> uh, I did. I'm trying to remember. We, so since we've recorded, I, I, you know, went to his neck of the woods because he lives. He is let's, just to give you an idea there, dear listener. Um, <clears throat> he lived. About four to five minutes from my parents. He moved 10 minutes away from where he lives now. Uh, he drove past my parents' house as he moved. And now he lives five minutes from my parents on the other side. Uh, <clears throat> but I was in the neck of the woods and I knew the address. And so I said, Hey, I'm going to, you know, just drive by and check it out. So I headed down the cul-de-sac and they're now my two best friends now live on cul-de-sacs and cul-de-sacs are lovely. And I'm slowing down to see the house. And I see there's a storage, you know, unit outside pod, pod. What I did not realize was that Mrs. GQ and Mama Mrs. GQ 
who I've known since I was a kid, uh, were outside. And they were on the other side of the pod. And so I'm slowing down, and I see them both kind of tilt their heads to to look. <laughs> and I waved. I don't think they knew who I was because the look I got was not one of recognition or friendliness. And then I, I and then I had you. and then I had to loop around the cul-de-sac and drive back. And I was like, on the one hand, you, they might maybe. I, on the one hand, they could have assumed you were a neighbor just driving by and oh, a friendly neighbor waving. On the other hand, if there was, if they thought it was a friendly neighbor waving, why would they give you a look? Wouldn't they I just sort even, of I, wave it, back? I, I suppose the look was more probably more of confusion. They just didn't know. And I debate. You say that, but I've also met GQ's wife, and she's never been very friendly or warm. <laughs> I'm kidding. She's a lovely person. I love her. She's so good. She's so nice. I, I debated stopping. I'm looking forward to going to their new home and wrecking it one evening. I debated stopping and like, you know, rolling down the window and saying hi. But I'm like, I haven't seen Mrs. GQ perhaps since their wedding. I don't know the last time I saw her mom, probably her wedding. So it just felt weird. So I just drove on by and then texted GQ and was like, please explain to your wife and your mother-in-law that I <laughs> it was me. I wasn't trying to be a creeper. I'm creepy. I wasn't trying it to be a creeper. It is what it is. I just wanted to see the house. Uh, any, anyone you want to know, podcast at ddtwrestling.com. We'll send you the address. You can look it up on uh, on Google Earth. It's a nice house. It's a nice it's house. Beautiful. It's very nice. Uh, it's very nice. So you mentioned that you've been busy. Uh, I, I have been not as busy, but the beginning of the school year is always interesting, dealing with an entirely new group of kids. Uh, one of whom yesterday, we take our morning mask break out on this hillside, and there's a set of stairs with a railing. And this boy climbs up onto the railing and does a Randy Orton turnbuckle pose. And it, it's just obvious from you know, did you uh, did you tell him to pick better role models? I didn't, but I did call over, "Hey, Randy, get down!" And he looked at me and was like. You know who Randy Orton, they're always shocked when I know. <laughs> I also will say, fun fact, I got stopped by my wife because I was 30 seconds away from going to work with this cup. What's wrong with that? The, Nobody would necessarily DDT, know what it is. No, but at the same time, it, it may have been a little odd. But my DDT wrestling monogrammed cup, which stays here. But yes, so yes, I, I have at least one wrestling fan uh in my in well, that's my nice so i did get to use the phrase rko out of nowhere which he thought was funny uh, i can't say i've met any wrestling fans thus far in my line of work you mentioned but, to me that you you you're gonna have to write an exam soon i think some burst throughout your multitude of questions should be occasionally a a wrestling themed question like I don't, you know, it's whatever. I got you. I, I've got it. When I'm making up, like, you know, organism names, like this organism is involved in this disease. Yeah, you know, I'll have an R Ortonian or something like that, and it'll be a little inside joke for myself. I or you have like you know one of the, you know how in some exams one answer is obviously wrong, so you have your scientific ones, and then D is the new world organism. And people, they'll be like, oh, is he an NWO fan? 
regular? I don't think anybody taking the class in college at this point. I mean, I'm sure there are some, but the vast majority of them would not get a new world order reference. They would get it because it was recently in the news because some politician used the phrase new world order, not in a Hollywood Hulk Hogan way, but in a like, you know, the death of everything as we know it kind of way. So they might, yeah, that not the best thing to be mentioning then. Uh, have you continued to partake in the AE dub? I have not. I have not had uh, the the time for that as of yet. I watched every. I am interested. But. I watched everything last week. I watched Dynamite after. Well, no, the day after we recorded, I did watch Rampage. I have watched Elevation from this week. Um. It was enjoyable, though I can't tell you anything particularly amazing that happened that I am, you know, it was fine. I mean, nothing amazing happens on weekly television. Yeah. Well, that's not true. Something amazing happened on Monday. Uh Uh-huh. Big E called a shot, cashed in his money in the bank briefcase, and he is your new WWE. E world heavyweight champion. That's that's nice, isn't that nice, Doc? Doc, Doc, isn't that nice, Biggie? Sure, who cares? But yeah, sure, Biggie. He seems like a nice guy, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who do care. Um, and I think he's a great performer. Um, so good on him, I guess. Is this his first world title? This is his first world title. Well, that's not true, right? Because he was the NXT champion or no? I suppose he was, but I don't think that would have constituted a world title at that point. But okay. this is his okay. first time being one of the two premier champions in, yeah. in the Yeah, and you know, I can't really scoff at it. They're still, you know, counting on both hands the number of black champions they've had at that level. So like, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't mean to discredit it. It's just... I think my 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 lack of enthusiasm comes less from Big E because uh, I do think he's a good performer, very entertaining, and all that, and and more simply my my disdain for the company on a whole. Um, so, so yeah. So should I mention that Tommaso Ciampa regained the NXT title last night, or is that that not going to do anything for you either? Yeah, I don't care. I couldn't even tell you who he gained it back from. So It was a fatal four-way. I did want to mention this to you with uh, L.A. Knight. Okay. And, oh, God, not Kyla Rock. Pete Dunne. Okay. And Von Wagner, or Von Wagner, excuse me, Von Wagner. Who is Von Wagner? Uh, Someone I know? No, because <clears throat> last night was NXT's new rebranding with all the bright, lights and things and they had a whole bunch of new talent make their debut including von wagner the only reason you would know him is he is the son of one of the beverly brothers although i don't know you might not even know that tag team do you remember the beverly brothers i do not oh uh but yes he is the son of one of the beverly brothers and obviously, uh, the NXT brain trust is high enough on him that they put him in the main event. He took over for Kyle O'Reilly, who was out for whatever reason. Uh, we got the son of Rick Steiner, of the Steiner brothers. He showed up. Uh, the son of Bull Buchanan showed up. Clearly, you know, a lot of new talent debuted, including someone who I believe has a mafia character in 2021, which is an interesting choice. 
Um, but yeah, Beverly Brothers. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm getting some some visual recognition seeing those capes. Yeah. All right. Um, All right. But yeah, there was there was quite. I haven't watched. I haven't watched, but there was quite a, you know, a bunch of new faces that showed up, which is good. I always like seeing new faces. It does make me wonder what they're going to do with all of the faces who were there to begin with. Um, But there's a draft coming up soon, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a bunch of talents who were in NXT previously get called up. And Hey, that's the genius. It is the genius. Yeah, okay. Uh, maybe I do remember them vaguely, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. They, they didn't, you know, set the world on fire or anything, no. but they were, they were a decent, yeah, okay. they're a decent tag team. Yeah. So, but yes, yeah, so, you know, I would, I would take umbrage with the fact that nothing happens in weekly wrestling. Some things do, um, but I suppose compared to the amount of things that happened at All Out, it still doesn't equal all the stuff that happened at All Out. No, and that's fine. Again, I do think all the stuff that happened at All Out is, you have to remember that that is something that they can do once in a while. Yeah, that you, that you is can't, very true. That can't be your expectation for every show. That's just not sustainable. No. Are you going to try to watch Dynamite this evening in which Adam Cole will have his first match? Um, Maybe. What time? What time does Dynamite come on again? I think it's eight o'clock. Eight o'clock on TNT. Yeah, maybe. I guess we'll see what time we get done here. I want to try getting some slides done tonight, but you know, I can only work so late into the evening before my brain just refuses to yeah. do anything more productive. So, so uh, eight o'clock's about that time usually. So, so, I'll ask you then: if you haven't been watching wrestling and you can't work all day, what have you filled your time with um, that isn't? Uh, usually when i go to turn my brain off um i'll turn on youtube there's a few channels on there uh more recently i've been working through the back catalog of best of the worst one of the shows from red letter media who i talked about on a previous show i've been working through their catalog i really 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 like red letter media um some of the older stuff some of the humor there probably hasn't aged too well and so sometimes you're painfully it's painfully obvious that oh right uh, a group of white guys uh in Milwaukee uh 6 years ago had a very different sense of humor than they might have today mm-hmm. and i will say i think that 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 flies i think they've grown and their more recent stuff is is different uh than some of that but if you can get past that the the content that they're covering the types of movies, the B movies, the horror, the the action, the, the kung fu stuff, like all sorts of you know lousy movies. Uh, really entertains me. I like their personalities. I think they're a lot of fun to watch. And uh, so I turn on one of those usually, and their episodes tend to last an hour or so, uh, maybe a little longer sometimes. So that's usually what I'll watch in the evenings, just to sort of unwind and maybe be doing something else at the same time. I've been setting up a. Uh, uh, a NAS, a network attached storage device. I I had a external hard drive that I had hooked up to my local router that I was hosting my own little horror movie server on, and that went kaput about two weeks ago. The drive uh, died. We had a little power outage here, mm. and the drive just would not come back on. I dismantled the whole thing. I was able to hook it up to my other computer with like you know the bare wiring and all that. Um, and I could get the drive to spin up, but the file system was 
too damaged for repair. So I lost everything I had there, which was fine. I knew it was going to happen eventually someday anyways, and I wasn't backing it up. So it's not like I can, not like it's unexpected. Sure. Uh, but so I, I got myself an actual honest to God network attached storage device. It's this little box with its own CPU in it. It has its own sort of lightweight operating system that it runs. You put a couple of hard drives in there, runs it in a RAID array. There's different levels of RAID, but it's this interface basically that lets you group hard drives together in certain ways. And there's different functionalities depending on what you want to do. But the particular type of RAID array I've set up takes one hard drive and mirrors it completely on the other. So you only have half the amount of storage you ought to have with those two drives, right? But you have a full redundancy should have something happen to one of the drives. Um, and how, this is where I'm starting. And how big are those drives? Like how? Oh, those drives are uh, eight terabytes a piece. Okay. That's a pretty good size. So they're not huge, um, but I didn't, that was kind of the, where I was comfortable in terms of bang for your buck. Anything more than that. And the prices started going up more than the amount of extra storage you were getting. Sure. It was reaching the exponential portion of the curve. So I said, this is good enough for me. And, you know, I, the NAS I bought has four drive slots. I only put two drives in, so I've only got eight terabytes accessible to me, eight terabytes as backup. But eventually I can put two more eight terabyte drives in. And depending on how I want to do the RAID array, I can upgrade to a different formatting without losing the data, essentially. And so you can set it up with four drives where, um, like, parity data is striped on the other three drives. So basically, you can set it up where you can have one drive failure and still maintain all, in that case, 24 terabytes of storage. If, assuming one, one of those four drives die, you'll still have your data on the other three. Or you can set it up so it's even more um, redundant and you can set it up so there's two drive parity. So basically, you could survive two dying. And at that point... I would have 16 terabytes of storage. And that's probably what I'll do because I intend for this to be more of a long-term real solution. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing that a little bit too, rebuilding my uh, my collection a little bit. I got a copyright strike for my ISP this week. Uh, somebody was like, hey, we saw you downloaded Friday the 13th part two. Don't do that shit. And I was like, all right, fine. Guess. But hey. You're such a pirate. Living on the like edge. Jean-Pierre Lafitte or Paul yeah. Burchill. Yeah. I don't, I don't use BitTorrent much anymore. And of course, the one thing I go on there to get is because I couldn't get it on Usenet. Mm. So how much, just out of curiosity, and, and feel free to not answer this question if you <laughs> don't want to talk about how rich you are. <laughs> Ask away. How much does it cost to do all of this? Because, of course, I understood every third word you said, which is anytime you start talking tech stuff. But I have a five terabyte hard drive, and I know what that costs. So I assume that you uh, have... altogether, this uh, network attached storage device is about a thousand dollars, about four hundred, four fifty for the device itself, and I, I opted for enterprise grade hard drives. So they're rated for, uh, instead of basically normal hard drives that you use in a desktop computer are rated for like 2 million hours mean time until failure. Yeah. Uh, and these are rated for 5 million hours, basically. So they should be uh, 
And they also have other, they're, they're meant for being in like always on situations. They're meant for data centers where there might be high heat and lots of vibration from other drives. So they tend to be more robust in terms of shock protection and stuff like that. And so since this is going to be a kind of a 24 seven server, I said, I'm just going to splurge. So each of those drives were around 265. Yeah. And of course I bought two of them, which is why I only bought two and I didn't buy all four right now. Sure. Because, uh, well, there's multiple reasons for that. One, I'll wait till Black Friday, see if I can't get some eight terabyte drives uh, on the cheap. Yep. So I just wanted to get this up and running so I could do something. Uh, and then the other thing is you also don't want to have a, a RAID array where all the drives are of the exact same production batch from the same retailer that were shipped to you on the same truck. Because if you buy four drives and, you know, again, you set it up where you have one drive parity um, and you run these things for the next six years and one drive dies. Well, if they're all from the same batch, they're all the same vintage, you know, putting a new drive in and getting everything to resync and get your data copied over to that new drive is pretty uh, process intensive. Yep. So it increases the likelihood that you're going to have another drive failure while trying to get your data off oh, of those drives sure. onto the new drive. Um, so it's a good idea if you can stagger when you get the drives, even by a different company. So it's produced in a different factory. Um, so that way you've got some assurance that they're all not going to die at the same time. Uh, so that's a good practice as well. All right. Hey, don't get me wrong. I'm going to use it more for just my little horror server. I'm a tinkerer. I'm a hobbyist when it comes to computers. At this point, I can use it as my own personal cloud device. So I don't have to use, you know, iCloud or Google cloud and I can access it from anywhere if I set it up, which I have. So, um, and I can do backups from my desktop. I could do a snapshot to it, you know, so I could get a redundancy there, but I don't know if I'm going to bother with that. Cause there's really nothing on my desktop that I care if I lose, you mm-hmm. know, same thing with my old server. I, I just, I live on the edge. What can I tell you? I don't, I don't care about digital memories. I'm, I've got a thousand, 10,000 photos I've taken on iPhones past. And I never look at any of them. No. So. No, every so often I go through and delete photos and I'm like, I don't even know what this is of. Yeah. The only thing I go through occasionally, and I'm like, I find, I find videos of Oscar when he was like young and mm. I'm like, ah, I'm holding on to this. Yeah. But like, you know. Yeah. We have videos. That's about it. We have videos of our nephew that we have saved and that's about it. Well, all right. So not much in the wrestling game. We've been tinkering. Um, do, I, I was trying to get you to to talk about the movie that you saw. Um, I don't want to talk about it. Malignant sucked balls. It was a terrible movie. It was it was James Wan, you know, saying he was it, for months. I was I was a little bit excited. James Wan is a force in horror movies. Um, he's he's well known. He's a stylistic visual director. He's made some good movies. Movies at least I won't say good. I'll say us. Uh, financially successful movies that seem to be popular in a mainstream way. Um, so if you're not familiar with James Wan, he directed the conjuring movies, the first two anyways, he didn't do the third one. Um, and he also did the insidious films, which were very popular. And most recently, probably the reason why he was able to get this movie made has nothing really to do with horror. Uh, but he also directed Aquaman for Warner brothers. He made them over a billion dollars. And so when he came back and said, Hey, I'm going to make this weird ass movie. They were like, well, you made us a billion dollars, so I guess go ahead. We don't understand anything you're saying to us, but well, you made us a billion dollars, so yeah, go make your thing. And that's basically what Malignant is. So anyways, 
He, when he was planning this movie, he was talking about how this was going to be his homage to Italian giallo films. Uh, and that's a, you know, a genre that I became uh, somewhat more aware of the last few years. And I spent some time really watching a lot of the classics from there. And after having watched Malignant, I don't, I don't understand the comparisons to giallo at all. Like the, the minimum. The, okay. That's not true. It, it, <laughs> Tonally, I don't understand it, I guess. If you want to be very superficial about it, Jalo films tend to have a killer wearing black gloves. Technically, this movie has a killer wearing black gloves. Jalo films also tend to have very sort of stylistic set piece murders, all right, where it's sort of like a big scene and it, it's sort of there's a beauty in what's happening, even if it's particularly brutal. It's just shot in a way that tends to be sort of artistic. And I guess he follows through with some set piece style things like that in this film as well. So there's that, if that's all a giallo is. I mean, I, I think to me, though, I guess, I guess maybe it is more giallo than I want to give it credit for. Because for me also, a giallo is very, um, it's very similar to a slasher film in a lot of ways. There's somebody killing people. And a lot of times in a giallo, in a slasher film, ultimately... Right. The climax of the film is finding out who the killer is. Um, but but they're very different in their approaches uh, to answering that question. A slasher film, for the most part, strips away all of the mystery. Like you don't usually have characters that are really trying to find out who the killer is. It's more they're getting attacked. They're trying to survive. And at some point, the killer is revealed. But there's not much plotting happening in that film. It's just really stripped away. And just, you know, the things are happening on the screen. It's one of the reasons why I like slasher films is because they're so light. There's not a lot of story and things tend to just happen. You just experience them. Um, Jalo is very plot heavy. It's very plot driven. It's very procedural in a lot of ways. There's always a character that's investigating something and it's them going from scene to scene and learning clues and learning new things and putting the puzzle together. And so, like, it's very focused on the investigation. And I guess this movie technically is too, although it's very superficial because I don't really feel like having watched it, there was any actual mystery to be had. Uh, I thought it was very obvious what was happening. The pretty much the entire film. Um, and once you do find out what is happening, it's utterly batship batshit insane, stupid. And don't get me wrong. Like I love schlock. I like bad movies. I like schlocky movies. This movie is almost a remake uh, of uh, an early eighties film. I think late seventies called basket case. Um, it's almost the exact same film there where there's this guy, he's got this twin brother that's growing out of him, like a Siamese twin, but like a little mutant, the doctors go and when they're younger and cut the mutant uh, brother off the mutant brother lives in this little wicker basket, hence the name of the movie Basket Case. And they decide to move to a city and they're going to get revenge on the doctors that separated them. Like this is almost like the same plot of that movie. Sorry for spoilers if anybody hasn't seen Malignant yet, but I'm doing you a favor really and saving <laughs> you two hours of your time because the movie sucked balls. Um, just I really found nothing. It's funny because like Twitter is blown up about a lot of people thought it was a lot of fun. The third act is batshit crazy. And I, I, I just thought it was dumb. And like, so in some ways, though, I could respect it. It's because in some ways, and this is Red Letter Media put in an episode about it yesterday. And I watched that. I got a lot of enjoyment, I will say, out of watching the movie and then watching the Red Letter Media commentary. And some of the stuff I'm saying, I'm going to crib right from Red Letter Media because I think it's correct. 
Like if James Wan set out to make a parody of these films, like I think maybe he succeeded if that's what this is supposed to be. Because like it, a lot of it doesn't feel it doesn't feel serious. It doesn't feel right. Like all the all the characters are taking it seriously. They're deli- they're delivering the lines very seriously, but the dialogue itself, like the the material they're given is very silly. So develop so delivering it in a serious way without any sort of winking, just again, it almost makes it feel like a parody than than an actual homage to a genre. And it it just I don't know. Like if he said I'm just gonna make the craziest, stupidest thing possible and I can't believe they're gonna let me put this in a movie and release it from a mainstream uh uh film company I guess I, if that was if that was really his goal, I respect that, and like I can be like hell yeah to some degree, but still not a good movie. You know what I mean? Um, well, the ad blitz—it feels like every second or third ad I watch on whatever streaming service I'm on is an ad for *Malignant*. I swear, it's like it's like James Wan decided because he like you know he makes these Conjuring movies. A lot of those are these dark, but they're spooky, very stylistic, visually aesthetic, pleasing movies. And it's almost like he said, I'm going to make a movie. Is this about a possession or what? It's kind of not clear at the beginning. And it's almost like he said, I've made those movies. I've made the demonic possession movies. I made the conjuring. I made insidious. I'm sick of those movies. I'm sick of those movies. And I just want to do something that's almost like a fuck you to those movies that I made because I'm sick of doing them. It's almost what this feels like. You know what I mean? Like, and and that's the weird thing is when you look at those ads that you're talking about, they're selling it like it is one of those movies. They're selling it like yep. it's a straight laced horror movie from James Wan, when in fact it's complete schlock, no. but it's not schlock that's played, at least not for me, in a way that appeals to me as a fan of B-movie and schlock. Yep. It comes across as a poorly realized parody of a genre. Uh, and, and like, you know, part of it is... Um, Part of it may very well be that, you know, he's 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 one of those guys who tends to be story by uh, he's story by story by story by a lot of his films. And on this particular film, story by James Wan, but also by uh, his essentially 20 year old wife that he married last year. Um, And I think that might have a lot to do with what's going on here with this story. And because she also gets a part in the film, she plays like this. crime scene photographer forensics person who's only in she's only in the movie for like two or three scenes but again the way she delivers her dialogue like even before i knew who she was i was like who is this actress she is fucking terrible like i i am looking at pictures now it looks like it's a child it was so weird and like i just i can't help but feel that there's something going on there that affected the quality of this movie too. I th- that's just me pure speculation. Yeah. But I, I had seen the, the trailer enough that I was like, okay. So when I read what the twist was, I was like, these two things don't go together at all. That trailer that I'm watching has nothing to do with apparently what this movie is about from the looks of it. And yeah. the only James Wan movie I have seen is Aquaman which has perhaps the worst dialogue in any of the movie, like any superhero movie for sure. 
and perhaps any other movie, the, the dialogue is just terrible. That could be Jason Momoa, though. I mean, he's not, well, not a great and, actor. And uh, what's her name? Johnny Depp's wife, ex Amber Heard. Yeah, yeah. The acting's yeah, not terrible. The acting's not great, but it's just. But it was just very like it felt like you know you took a seventh grade English class and was like, hey, write a superhero movie. This is the kind of dialogue you would get. Yeah, I just feel like this movie is an example of all style, no substance, and like it doesn't make any sort of sense. There's no logical sense to a lot of the things that happen in the film. Um, So the twist is, spoilers, <laughs> folks, the twist is that our main character, Morgan, has, when she was a child, she had a, a, a twin in the, in the, in the womb that, and, and they, they, and they, they fused in utero, right? And so she has a twin growing out of her back. It's got these little vestigial arms, and he's got a face on the back of her head when she's a kid. And like they share some brain mass and, and eventually, you know, they, she, she gets put this, the, the girl gets put up for adoption. She's in this hospital and you're not really sure they're doing experiments on this girl. What's going on? But no, it doesn't really go anywhere. It turns out, yeah, this is just a doctor at this hospital who specializes in uh, child deformities. They do surgery. They cut off the other twin and they're not able to remove all of the mass in the brain because, again, they share brain matter. So they cut off as much as they can and they seal the rest of it back into her skull. And she goes about her life and lives her life. And then, you know, 30 years later, she has an abusive husband boyfriend who smashes her head against a wall. And that's when everything starts because um, she apparently cracks her skull open, which allows this vestigial brother now to actually like come out of the back of her head and become non-dormant again and first of all if she cracked her fucking skull open that's not how brains work like you know what i mean i don't care if there is like br brother tissue left on the end of this brain her brain is exposed and it doesn't just come in and out like that would cause so many problems for you in a biological sense and then for some reason the twin brother it's never explained for some reason he can control electricity around him like he causes powers to surge he causes he speaks through through like garbled static on, on radios or cell phones he can make light bulbs explode somehow it, again if he's just a tumor if he's just a tumor what what is there, there's no supernatural element how is he doing that how is that? That's never explained. And, and then like at, in the climax of the film, you know, there's this whole thing where uh, the main character forgot about her brother because she got adopted into a foster family. And so the adopted brother, brother, he's raging that, you know, he was forgotten about or whatever. And uh, like he, he lashes out at the, at the, at the stepsister and going to kill her or whatever. And then the stepsister says, um, because basically what happens is like the brother takes over the body, right? And so in the movie, what's happening is like the character, the main character, Morgan, she typically is like standing there, she's like paralyzed, she's watching stuff that's happening. At first, she thinks she's seeing visions of things happening somewhere else. But what's really happening is she's paralyzed, 
and and her brother is causing is taking over her brain and putting her into like a mental prison and basically he's creating a scene for her to see while he's controlling the body and doing whatever he wants right and so he's taking control of the body he's about to kill the sister and the sister and, and you know morgan is there but she's paralyzed like she normally is when the brother's in control and the sister's like your brother killed your babies because she had three miscarriages as part of her backstory. And he's been feeding off of your fetuses. That's how he was able to get so powerful. But like, it comes in the climax of the film. And while, yes, they set up the miscarriages, like, her sister is not a nurse or a doctor character. <laughs> like, at no point anywhere in the film is this acknowledged or addressed. At no point does she learn that information. She just says it. From nowhere, unearned. It's like, who, where did you get that from? Are you just guessing? I don't know. But it, it ends up being the crux, right? Because it's what gives Morgan, the main That's character, gets her wake up. It gives her the, 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 the infinite, you know, badass mommy powers to take back control of her body because you killed my babies or whatever. And it's just like, it comes out of literally nowhere with no build. It's just, it's such lazy awful terrible scripting it doesn't make any sense doesn't make any sense they have a whole set piece where the sister is doing some of the investigation she drives out to the old hospital where some of this stuff was happening it's like this big huge gothic castle looking thing right and mind you mind you uh, the movie opens in 1993 when we see her in the hospital right when we that, that's when we're going back to. She's going back to this hospital it's like all condemned now there's spider webs everywhere in the history of the movie it's only I know I said 30 years before, but I think it's actually supposed to be like 20 years or something like that. Okay. You go to the hospital and like it looks like an abandoned hospital, but it looks like an abandoned hospital from like the 1800s. There's literally like wicker style wheelchairs that you would <laughs> see in like uh, in a hospital from 200 years ago, not from 10 years ago. And like she goes there. And and she gets in the hospital and it's like all graffitied and it's gross and it's this big huge set piece, right? You figure something's gonna happen there. The brothers followed her out there. She's gonna have a fight scene, a chase scene, or something. They literally, she just kind of looks around with a flashlight. She finds a room. There's a box with a bunch of VHS tapes in it that are all of her sister's records. Coincidentally, she takes the box back to her apartment and that's it. That's literally it. That's all they do with this big huge giant hospital. She goes in with a flashlight. She finds a box of VHS tapes and she takes them home. It's like what like it's almost like they had something else scripted there, something happened there, and they had to cut it. You know what I mean? Because like, why wouldn't you just write uh the cops got the evidence? Because one of the doctors dies earlier in the film, right? They were searching her apartment and they found this box full of the tapes about the little girl. Why wouldn't you just do that? Why like they set it up like she's driving out there. She's on the phone. She's explaining things to the cop. Like it's this big huge setup to her going out to this place. She literally gets there. She looks around the flashlight. She finds the box. She goes home. And it's like, what? What the fuck? Like nothing happened. Nothing happened. Why? And you said you didn't want to talk about this movie. It wasn't very good. I <laughs> I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. I as I like to really if I'd encourage people to watch the Red Letter Media episode on it. They sum it up way better than I could. And I'll say most of my enjoyment probably actually comes from that, that sort of dissection of it. But, oh, my God, this movie was bad. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, the people on Twitter, they're all about this movie. I'm just like, you are desperate for entertainment in your life or something because, who boy. 
I didn't like Insidious. Like a lot of people love Insidious. I didn't like Insidious, but Insidious was at least I'll give it. It was a little bit out there, a little bit more wacky. It's a little more, a little out there more than the Conjuring. The Conjuring series is much more grounded in some ways. Um, and Insidious was a little bit more out there, but this was like to a, and I like ridiculous movies, Tammy and the T-Rex all day long, ladies and gentlemen, like I can take some schlock, but this movie was just bad. It was just bad. You'll have to help me out. Cause I don't know the answer to this. Has there been a major horror movie release recently? Like I know we're getting a new Halloween movie. Yeah, I mean, Halloween 2018 was probably one of the last real big ones that got like wide release. That was real. I don't think it's as good as everybody says it was 28 Halloween on 20. But I think that movie was confident. That's still three years ago. Um, Last year, there was uh, Midsummer, which I thought was great. Although I don't know if that really was wide theaters. There was Dr. Sleep, which is sort of like a sequel to The Shining. Yeah. I didn't see it, but that was well regarded. Well, no, that's, that's my point, is like, has it been just so long since there's been a good mainstream, full-release horror movie that came out on HBO Max? Well, like, you could see it for free. So all of no, those people who, no, maybe, no. who maybe don't watch horror movies as much as the casual, not even you, but the casual person, and so they're this is a big twist for them because they don't. I don't know. A lot of people I follow on Twitter are horror movie people, and a lot of them seem to like it. And I really don't see it. I, I, I looked, really don't. I looked see up it. a couple of, of images, both from that movie and from Basket Case. Um, I will be calling you if I have nightmares in the middle of the night. But also, it, yeah. I, Basket Case very much is schlock. And I, I, would, I would watch that any day of the week over Malignant. I don't yeah. know. Well, all right. So it turns into like a kung fu fight <laughs> in this giant cavernous police station in the climax of the film. Like she's the, the brother controlling the body is doing like a Matrix style fight scene where she's just killing fools left and right, left and like this, it really is. It's like the lobby scene from the Matrix. There's all very this much gunplay. Seems, this very much seems the more you describe it, this very much seems like James Wan was like. I have a deal to make a movie. They they have to give me X amount of dollars to make this movie. Let me make the dumbest movie I can think of. It really does seem like he was just like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I almost want to see an interview with him. And if he's like, yeah, I just wanted to see if they would let me do it. Like, at least that I could respect. But if he was, if he, it was just like a standard thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I just, uh, I thought it was scary. <laughs> I'd be like, fuck you. This is stupid. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What's your piece of positivity? Because I think that was my piece of positivity. Now that I mean, it's are not going- my piece of positivity. We haven't done the emails, but are we going out of order? Uh, up to you. We can go to emails if you want. Uh, do you have a piece of because that can't be your piece of positivity unless you're going to talk about red letter media. Red letter media could be your piece of positivity. Gimmick matches podcast at ddtwrestling.com. Our first message comes in from one half of the dynamic duo that make up the piece of bod business piece business pod. You you have this on your calendar. You're going to be there Sunday at eight when we record this episode. <laughs> we'll see, won't we? Um, howdy, boys. I was just wondering. No reason, no reason at all. Of these four gimmick matches, which <laughs> is your favorite? A the cage match, B, the tuxedo match, 
C, the coal miner glove match, and D, loser leaves town match. And based on your choice, what is your favorite example of or a memorable example of said match? Looking forward to hosting you two on the POB 50th episode. Spectacular. The POB Fest will be lit. With love, Jeremy. Um, I don't like tuxedo matches. I think those, along with evening gown matches, are stupid. Uh, I don't like any match that requires you having to climb a pole to get a weapon because inevitably that just never works out. Um, is that what a coal miners glove matches? Yeah. It's basically like anytime you put the Singapore cane on the pole or, you know, there's a weapon there. If you can climb the pole to get the coal miners glove, you can use it on your opponent. What is a coal miners glove? Is it just a uh, glove with a piece of coal on it? Yeah, it's it's not great. I think Sting and Jake Roberts had a yeah, they had one coal miners glove match, and you know it's yeah, it's a it's like a loaded glove that you can wear, which makes your punches much more powerful, and people will bleed and all of that. Um, a loser leaves town match is fine if it actually works, uh, and it never I, does. I would say of the four. Um, I would say my favorite is a cage match, and my favorite example is Brett versus Owen, SummerSlam 94 or 95. I don't remember exactly which, whether it's 94 or 95, but whichever one they have a cage match, it's probably the best cage match I've ever seen. All right. I mean, yes. I'll probably say cage match also. Um, and it probably doesn't really count as a cage match, but I'll go Mankind Undertaker, Hell in a sure. Cell. Yeah. Not really a cage match, but no, I, th I think those both count. Uh, but yes, I, I am. I am curious as to what match they will be having us watch. I'll be curious as to how that works. Now, are we supposed to watch this beforehand no. or do we watch it live on the show? I believe we watch it live on the show and we we comment on it as it happens. All right. So good. Uh, prep isn't my strong suit. Our next email comes from Glenn and the title is also the title of this podcast DDT wrestling space exclamation point hi guys it was so good to hear dog enthusing to hear doc enthusing over a wrestling show for the first time in a long time now it's going to be interesting to see if AEW can do enough to hold his interest and whether there are any more defections from WWE and if there are could either of you see anybody going the other way and joining the WWE Look forward to seeing you both Sunday, Glenn. I think they both made sure to email just to remind us that we're supposed to be there Sunday morning. Yeah, that's probably a good move. I'm going to need you to probably text me Saturday night and Sunday morning around 730. 7 a.m. Yeah. 7.45 when I'm rolling out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, clearly, it, no, no, granted, you're busy. Yeah, no, I think I, I, would, I do think I would be watching if I was less busy right now. Yeah. Um, uh, the rumor of the week is that Kevin Owens' contract expires in January, and the expectation is that he will be the next person to leave and go to AEW, rejoin his friends and the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. And I'd love to that. see that. I would love to see that defection. I, I really do think I said it on at least the joy of booking podcast, if not this one, with the exception of like Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and Charlotte, they will let 
anyone else. Your contract's up. You want to leave? Go ahead. We'll we'll get Rick Steiner's son to take your place. We'll get, you know, this guy Parker Boudreau to take your place. Gable Stevenson, the Olympian, will eventually take your place. Um, which is why I don't know if WWE would have any interest in any of the people from you know, I think I'm just Chris- trying to think of it from a different perspective because I think you summed it up well last week where you said, you know, performers are going to have to decide do I want to work for the professional wrestling company or the sports entertainment company? Yeah. And so that makes me think, is there anyone in AEW that tends towards the style that we call sports entertainment? And, you know, there are some more theatrical characters mm-hmm. like I could, but like, I don't know that I don't know that they would make an impact in the WWE because they're not big names. Yeah. And you know how the WWE has a habit of just chewing people and spitting them out. But like you could see someone like a Luchasaurus or a Jungle Boy sure. being a fan, a, a young fan favorite yep. in the WWE. I think that could work. Um, I, I would, I could see WWE trying to get someone like MJF. You're young, you're okay. a good talker. You know, maybe. You know, what if maybe- Alberto Del Rio wasn't really a scumbag? <laughs> he was just. You know, a character scumbag. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, I could also see, you know, I think Chris Jericho and John Moxley at some point, a shield reunion is going to make a huge amount of money. At some point, WWE is going to say, how much money will it take for you to come I just back? wonder, Even- I just wonder if WWE has a grudge against Jericho, if they would bring him back. Um because, you know, it was one of the first high-profile hires by this company. Yep. And if, if anything, if nothing else, I think Vince McMahon can be petty. He can and, I don't be, know, and I don't know if there's money to be made with Chris Jericho at this point. So You potentially bring him back for the Hall of Fame. You bring him back for a Legends okay. contract. Like, yeah, not as a wrestler okay. necessarily, but, you know. Okay, yeah, I guess yeah. you're right. I guess you're right. I'm talking, you know. It could be five years down the road when Moxley's wrestled all he wants to. Maybe he wants, you know, uh, a deal similar in vain to Brock Lesnar. You don't have to show up all the time. Like, come on, show up. Do you a do have to wear the giant foam cowboy hat, though. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we would walk like around talk. with Mitch the houseplant. We would like you to talk to a plant. Yes, please. Um but yeah, other people are suspecting Adam Page. I'm like, I don't think so. Adam Page isn't tall. Like WWE has clearly, especially if you look at the guys that made their debut for NXT, all of them are huge. All of them are hosses. Maybe that uh, Jade lady from the women's division. Oh, Jade Cargill. She, maybe. She's got a great look that I think they could get behind. That's true. Um, if it wasn't for the potential or the rumored attitude issues, I would think Brian Cage Maybe a guy oh, like Powerhouse yeah. Hobbs. I do know. feel like Brian Cage is, there's something that held him back. I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like his, the potential for him, his time, I feel like has, has started to move beyond yeah. his time. So I, I don't know. Well, I watched, and maybe he's injured, I don't know, but I watched an entire week of AEW and I heard no name mention of Brian Cage and I saw no Brian Cage. Where's Jeff Cobb these days? What's he up to? New Japan. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't know. But like I said, I think those those are a few names I could see going to the WWE, but I just don't know. Um, 
I feel like most of the people in the men's division that are in AEW are there because the WWE did not seem like a destination for them for yeah. one reason or another. So I just feel like we're kind of real early in that. I don't want to say dichotomy. We're still early on where I'm just not sure that making that bridge back makes sense for the people that made the conscious choice to be in AEW as of now. Yeah. I, I think again, the early guys wear the, the nostalgia like Dean Ambrose in a shield reunion. There's nostalgia there. Chris Jericho, there's nostalgia there. I don't think Adam Cole goes back. Um, you know, I don't think Daniel Bryan goes back. I think that like he I already he, did. I think he, he could, could, but I think he already did the comeback. Like he had the return from retirement. He had the, you know, veteran title run. He had the general manager role. Like he did all of that. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, I don't think they're going to be interested in bringing back gold dust again, much as I love Dustin Rhodes. I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, and I think like you said, there will be a, over the next two or three years, there will be a number of wrestlers who make a conscious choice of what they, you know, Pete Dunn just signed a three year deal to stay with WWE. So, you know, clearly he's, I have to imagine that that's because NXT UK is a real light schedule, right? Well, he's been in um, NXT, the main one. And even oh, that's a real light schedule. They're not touring. They're not yeah. doing house shows anymore. Or they haven't been like he shows up once a week. That's a pretty good schedule. <laughs> yeah. So I bet you they threw a little bit of money at him. So I would imagine so. I would imagine so. And maybe he makes the main roster. You know, he's he's got the you know, he's small, but I think he could do it. All right. Our final email of the evening comes from Mitchell Monroe, and it's called Homework. I'm having trouble motivating myself to do my homework. It's just daunting. Any big assignments y'all ever procrastinated? Oh, Mitchell. Oh. All of them. All of them. I am a procrastinator I, to I the bone. This, I say this. I say this with love. How long did you stay in school to get your PhD? <laughs> was that procrastination or was that just you? That was just, honestly, I feel like that was out of my control. Um, when you're in a PhD program, other people control your fate. Oh, that's right. That's right. That was far that more was than really they should. Annoying part. Yes. Um, because right. it's not about actually hitting milestones at that point. Um, no, it's somebody else signing off on it, becomes much more stuff. arbitrary and it is, it can be a slog, um, which was my experience. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I would, if I would chalk that one up to my procrastination, but I will say, I, I will else. 100% own up to being a procrastinator. Um, I, I need a deadline to do things. Otherwise I don't feel the pressure to get it done. And, and at what point, how close to the deadline do you need to get before you actually start working? Depends on the size of the project. Um, but yeah, like night before was pretty common in school. Um, if it was a larger paper term paper, 15 pages might be the weekend before carve myself out three days. Um, you know, that sort of thing. And that's been that's actually been one of the big difficulties transitioning into the professional world, especially in the position that I am in, in which I have very little oversight over anything that I do. I could just show up to work and leave every day 
and not produce anything ever. And I, it would be a long time before anybody noticed or said anything to me. <laughs> um, so that's been a, a, a hurdle for me to get over, certainly. And I think I've actually done a pretty good job of being productive, certainly way more than I would have considered, you know, 15 years ago, myself capable of, I mean. Um, but I definitely noticed over the pandemic slipping into my procrastination oh, sure. um, shorts, if you will. Yeah. Those lounge pants were just far too comfortable uh, during that time period. Do you think you're the type of person that works better under that, pre- like with the, I have three days to produce a 15 page paper. Mm. Yes, but no, the answer is no. Right. If you legit sat down and actually took the time, you'll every time, a hundred percent, you'll produce something better every time. I don't care who you are. Um, but there is something to the idea of you have to finish it and you have to start it to finish it. So if you don't ever finish it, it's can't be better. So, yeah, that was always my issue was if I started something early, I'd go, okay, we made some, I did some good work on this today. I can put this to bed for now. And then I would inevitably forget about it and either completely start over and forget I had done anything about it in the first place or realize it and never be able to pick up where I left off. Because whatever momentum or idea I had, and the same thing goes with podcasts, whatever idea I have, if I just leave it, it's not, you know, unless I'm percolating with it, it's, I'm never going to remember what I did. <laughs> yeah, it just sort of diffuses so, away. And yeah. you got to start from square one anyways. So Yeah, we record three episodes of Pro Wrestler Rankings, and, and, and then that's the end. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really would like to have the time to do that. I, I don't. <laughs> I will yeah. come. I will come move into your house over the holidays, and we will just bang out a bunch of them. I am going to like take three weeks off in December. I ha- I realized I'm buttoned up against the limit of the amount of vacation days I'm allowed to accumulate. <laughs> so I've got to use them or lose them. Good. And I am going to take a big chunk of time off. And I don't. I don't give a damn. I Good. don't give a damn. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, so thank you again to Jeremy and Glenn and Mitchell. I, I promise that I will most likely be there Sunday at eight for, uh, for the pop 50th anniversary spectacular. Um, what's your piece of positivity or have you already mentioned it? You are allowed to use something you have already talked about. Yeah. I'm just going to say uh, my piece of positivity is ranting about malignant. On sure. this show, more so than malignant <laughs> itself. Um, sure. Getting the opportunity to talk about something I hated is always, always a wonderful, wonderful time. So, mm. How about yourself, DC Matthews at the DC Matthews? What is your piece of pause? A Tiv, a T. What is it? Go ahead, tell me. I have a small one and a big one. The small oh, one boy. is I got home from my, you know, uh, I put this in the bestie chat after 13 years of having teacher staff meetings on Tuesdays, 13 years uh, this year got moved to Wednesdays with very little explanation and very little warning. Um, So, you know, I was home for approximately like 25 minutes in between, uh, you know, getting home and getting on the air. And the reason that worked out is because I walked in the house 
And literally my wife put food in my mouth. Like she was like, try this. And she made this Parmesan chicken with air fried carrots and couscous. And it was flipping amazing. Um, So one piece of positivity is my wife who handed me a plate of food and we chatted for a bit. And then she was like, all right, go podcast. So that was lovely. Lovely. Um, the, The bigger one is the big E. The fact that big E Langston, that guy, he was NXT champion. He was Dolph Ziggler's bodyguard very briefly. Uh, you know, then he became part of the new day and the new day is great. But the fact that he was able to successfully cash in the briefcase on raw, which is what I expected to happen at SummerSlam. Um, it screws up the podcast that I've been doing for the last couple of Thursdays in which I, you know, kind of fantasy book what I expected at WrestleMania. Cause I fully expected him to cash in on Roman at WrestleMania, but it was a nice moment. I watched it on YouTube a couple of times. I've seen the interviews after the fact that wrestlers from all uh, companies tweeted out their support for him. He seems like a legitimately good guy. Uh, that makes me happy. You know, WWE, yes, it was absolutely a reflex move to the fact that, oh, AEW is kicking our ass right now, and we should do something to, to counter that. And the fact that they decided that this was it, good for them. So I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the state of wrestling right now. I will say that. So that is my piece, those are my two pieces of positivity. So with that, I ask you, as I ask you every week, Doc Manson, anything else you'd like to say before we head out into that good night? If you'd like to have your thoughts read on the air, send us an email, podcast at ddtwrestling.com. You can listen to our back catalog of episodes by going to ddtwrestling.com, ddtpod.com, or to your podcast repository of choice. And finally, if you like what you've heard, and how could you? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash DDT wrestling to give just a little bit of financial support to DC and Doc. It helps us keep the lights on and this crazy podcast train a chug a luggin. He is Doc Manson. At Doc Manson, my name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. You will hear us on the 50th episode spectacular. Uh, of the pop job or no, the piece of business podcast. Pop job just rolls off the tongue though. Doesn't it? It does. It does. does, It does. Until we meet again, my friends, much better than pop DDT. Pop DDT. I'll go with the doc pop job or pop job doc edition or yeah, the pop, the doc pop job. There we go. Uh, Until we meet again, my friends, won't you be our bestie? Congratulations, GQ. It was lit.